This episode is sponsored by TimelyMD, a telehealth provider whose mission is to improve the well-being of college students by making virtual medical and mental health care accessible anytime, anywhere. With immediate medical care, scheduled and on-demand counseling, psychiatry and health coaching services, TimelyMD partners with institutions to empower students to thrive in all aspects of their lives. Learn more at timely.md. Hello, welcome to The Key with IHE. I'm Paul Fain, a contributing editor at Inside Higher Ed and the host of this podcast. We're reaching the end of this season, but I have a couple good episodes left. This one looks at two different approaches to expanding online education with a focus on working adults. I spoke with Andrew Clark, the founder, president, and CEO of Zovio, a publicly traded ed tech services company. Clark and I spoke the day Zovio closed on its deal to sell the online Ashford University to the University of Arizona creating the University of Arizona Global Campus. Clark talked about the unusual partnership between Zovio and the new UAGC, as well as his take on partnerships and new business models in the online education space. The scale of it is pretty enormous. There's 35,000 students, but what a lot of people don't realize is that students start 50 out of 52 weeks in the year. In fact, at Zovio, we like to say that you know, effectively, we help UAGC start a mid-sized regional public university every 90 days. And when you think about it in those terms, you quickly come to understand that there's a tremendous amount of complexity in making that happen and doing it in a really high-quality way. I also spoke with Jill Bubin, the Vice President of Digital Strategy and Online Education at Fairfield University. The private institution in Connecticut is looking to grow its online graduate programs and has added new credentials and partnerships with intermediaries like Guild and EdAssist. We're able to partner with these companies that, you know, stay true to our values, but also allow us to partner directly with companies. We don't really have a huge bandwidth to like (laughs) beat the streets in terms of big partnerships. So to have that kind of that intermediary is really helpful to us. Let's get to the conversation. I'm speaking with Andrew Clark. Andrew, how are you? Doing great, Paul. Good to be here. Well, I appreciate you making time any day, but uh, particularly today where you made some news with Zovio. Can you talk to listeners about what happened today? Yeah, today was a historic day for Zovio and a historic day in higher education, kind of the second event of its kind with Uh, our sale of Ashford University to the University of Arizona Global Campus today, that transaction closed and UAGC uh, is is off and running with 35,000 students and 60 different degree programs. And um, it's a real milestone for our company, which I founded 17 years ago and probably the second most significant day in the company's history, the first being the day that we purchased Ashford University. Quite the journey. You know, I, I remember when the Purdue Global News came across the transom and I, I had to read that one a few times because it was so different and uh, just really a lot to process. And I know that's the case with this partnership too, uh, some key differences with Purdue Global, but would you mind just walking us through that? I know this is an enormously complex transaction, but just the, the basic facts of how it's gonna work going forward. Yeah, sure, Paul. I mean, University of Arizona Global Campus is its own freestanding institution, WASC accredited, has just a a really 
uh, impressive board of trustees that has been named. They will be affiliated with the University of Arizona. They have an affiliation agreement with them, uh, but they're their own institution. And, and that was one of the really attractive things about how this all came together. We were you know, originally looking to convert uh, the university to a nonprofit um, and allow it to remain independent and freestanding. And the way that University of Arizona approached it, unlike Purdue, uh, when they kind of subsumed Kaplan effectively into that, into their public system there, they had a similar kind of approach as, as we had, where they wanted to have a new Arizona nonprofit entity acquire the institution and allow it to remain freestanding. So really wonderful for alumni and students and faculty, especially students, you know, yesterday when it was Ashford, today when it's the University of Arizona Global Campus, the classroom environment changed, but they're still in the same classes. They have the same professors. It's been pretty seamless. They go into their uh, student center online and now it says UAGC on it, but it's been, been a really uh, kind of seamless transition. And a lot of, a lot of work has gone into this certainly uh, on this part of Zovio, but also on the part of UAGC, the people there have been just wonderful to work with. And this is just a, a great outcome for, for all of the stakeholders. It's good for Zovio in terms of our strategy and setting us up as a world-class ed tech service company that can uh, provide technology and services to other uh, universities, which were already uh, hard at work looking for new clients. It's most importantly great for the university itself, its, alum, its alumni, its students, its faculty uh, to have this affiliation now with the University of Arizona. So it, it's, a, it's a great day for us, a great day for UAGC, for its students. And I, I couldn't be more excited about, about today. It's been a long time in the making. So if you wouldn't mind giving folks an idea of the scope of the new UAGC, and you mentioned uh, 60 degrees, but I, I gather more than 300 uh, courses and, and quite a few students. Yeah, so the scale of it is pretty enormous. There's 35,000 students, but what a lot of people don't realize is that students start 50 out of 52 weeks in the year. In fact, at Zovio, we like to say that you know, effectively, we help UAGC start a mid-sized regional public university every 90 days. And when you think about it in those terms, you quickly come to understand that there's a tremendous amount of complexity in making that happen and doing it in a really high quality way. We measure the net promoter score of our students, many educational institutions do, and we have a very high NPS with students. Most recently, we hit our all-time high since we started measuring it uh, in January of 2017 at about 63. So we're really proud of our ability to support students and meet them wherever they are and do that at a tremendous amount of scale. There's faculty obviously involved in all of this. There's, there's scheduling of faculty and courses. There's, you know, student advising and making sure the students are well advised and, you know, planning for their uh, educational goals and, and eventually the ultimate outcome, graduation. 
it just takes a tremendous amount of work to put all of that together at scale. And, and, and many ed tech service companies are, are good at a much smaller uh, scale. Uh, there's very few, as you look around you know, the US landscape, that can actually do what we do at you know, literally orders of magnitude, you know, tens and thousands of, of students. Well, that was where I was going to take this next. I mean, I feel like we all know that the disruption to adult and vulnerable student populations is intense at this point and no real end in sight. Anxiety about the job market, not sure your credential pathway will pay off. Of course, all the impacts on your, your schedule, your fiscal health, um, just a lot going on for the students you serve. And I think a lot of institutions out there are looking for help. To, to do better and to enroll these students and to help them succeed. Um, and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the benefit of partnership from your perspective. Um, you know, I think people look at the University of Arizona and, and, and probably say, why, why can't they do this themselves? So what, what, what did Zovio bring to the table and could bring to the table to other partners? Yeah, I think that's a common question, Paul, which is, you know, why can't big public land grant universities or even medium sized uh, public universities or nonprofits do this themselves. I think it comes down to what we were just talking about, the complexity of managing, you know, the scale of that number of students and doing it in a really high quality way. Universities typically just don't have the internal skill sets to be able to accomplish it. And many of them, uh, Kaplan probably being the first example, you know, Mitch Daniels said, you know, we kept trying and it wasn't working. Uh, and we looked around internally and, and just found that we didn't have those skill sets. You know, uh, I think Southern New Hampshire took a different approach where, you know, their president hired those skill sets into the university uh, and has obviously been very successful. But not many institutions can go out there, quite frankly, and hire all the skill sets you need, develop the systems. It's tremendously capital intensive there. Um, you know, we've spent the better part of, you know, 17 years creating technologies and using data and building out data analytics capabilities and automating systems that are, you know, it's just really difficult to do that from a standing uh, start. And you need to go outside uh, to companies that like Zovio that that have you know literally over a decade invested in uh, doing exactly that, and so I, I, many universities realize that some try initially uh, to do it themselves and then come to realize it, and I think it, it's promising for Zovio in our future because I think there'll be a lot of demand. We we had a lot of people. Uh, reach out to us just when we announced uh, our agreement with UAGC. And we weren't really quite in the position to help at that, at that time. We had our, our hands full, but now we are, and we've gotten a lot of inbound interest. And, and now we're also reaching out to, to uh, many universities. And, you know, as you pointed out, Paul, it's been one, one heck of a year in 2020, a lot of different dynamics and changes for both the learner as well as the institutions. And I think institutions are quickly realizing 
that the business model that they had before uh, isn't going to be the business model that they have and that will support them as well as their students in the future and that they need to be more kind of agnostic about where a student actually is whether they're on their campus or whether they're in their hometown in their apartment you know hiking uh, through the rockies wherever the heck they are that they can access that same high quality education from that institution, but, but it's gonna look different online. They're gonna wanna be also on campus perhaps, and universities just need a much more adaptive model that allows them to reach those learners wherever they are. And, and again, that's where Zovio comes in and can really help out. Obviously, as you say, the, the business models are under intense pressure right now. The state and local budget crisis is only gonna get worse for publics, it looks like at least for now. UAGC and Purdue Global before it are, are real iterations, I think, of a business model in a new way. How many of those can there be? I mean, not, not too many that you can start with this scale uh, going forward. But you know, I, beyond that, I'm wondering, will we see iterations on what you all have done at a smaller scale potentially looking forward? I, that's a great question. I mean, uh, we see the UMass Brandman uh, announcement recently. I mean, look, uh, I would say Mitch Daniels and Dr. Bobby Robbins are, you know, are in an elite group of presidents, right? Just the two of them that have accomplished that. Uh, but I don't think they'll be elite for very long. I, I do think that you'll see many more transactions like this or similar to this variations of it. Certainly UMass Brandman is a, a different approach. And so I, I do believe that you're going to see more. Now, there's only a finite number of you know, 35,000 student online universities out there to, you know, acquire and, and to help accelerate your online offerings at an institution. So I think that will mean that there'll be two things. There'll be some kind of creative approaches that are innovative, includes, you know, mergers and partnerships. But I think also then you're going to see a lot of universities look towards companies like Sovia who can help them scale quickly and, and one of the most motivating reasons for them is because of what we talked about before and how capital intensive it, it is, you mentioned there's strain on these institutional budgets. They don't have uh, extra capital laying around to invest in a strategic direction that they all know they need to go. That's another motivating factor for why they're going to look to companies like Sovio to help them, not just provide the technology and services, but, but if you're trying to build a really large uh, online scale degree program offering, you will want some capital investment to come with your partner as well. Speaking of technology, I wondered if you could give folks just a quick flavor of what's possible um, given your 17 years of experience on the student success front with AI at this point and what to look forward to. You know, I've heard a little bit about it. We've written about chatbots here at, at IHE, but it sounds like we're looking at a new, a new kind of level of, of use here. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we started making investments uh, about three, four years ago at Zovio in data analytics, machine learning, bringing those talents and expertise and systems into our company. We developed, Paul, a product we call Signals. It ends with a Z, stealing from Sovio a little bit. And Signals is a uh, actually a 
predictive modeling, data analytics, machine learning driven uh, technology that alerts both faculty and student advisors to students that are at risk of failing a course or dropping out of school based on 50 different data points. And um, those can be behavioral, they can be um, academic, uh, there's a variety of them. And then there's a prescribed set of interventions that faculty and advisors take uh, proactively to help um, students you know, overcome whatever the challenge is. Could be personal, could be academic, uh, could be both. <laughs> that product has, has had a remarkable impact at UAGC, you know, previously Ashford, we saw the highest cohort retention we've seen in four years. We saw a 3% improvement in, uh, in just a single year on student retention um, as a result of signals. So a long way of, of going about saying you're absolutely right, data analytics, machine learning, AI is gonna be instrumental and instrumental to student success, also instrumental to identifying you know, the right types of students for your institution at the very beginning. So for example, signals for uh, marketing and enrollment at Zovio uh, can help build predictive models around the most successful students an institution has, and then identify who those potential students are and uh, attract them to the institution and interest them in applying to the institution. And, and then hopefully attending the institution. And that also helps improve retention because now you're getting a student that is best suited uh, for your institution and for, for what you offer. So uh, there's tremendous power in data analytics and machine learning that when harnessed correctly can lead to um, significant improvements in student outcomes, which is what everyone is ultimately invested and interested in, in accomplishing, both the institutions as well as um, us at Zovio. We have a, a saying here at Zovio that, you know, our mission here is to help everybody be in a class of their own. And we're not just talking about institutions, we're talking about individual learners as well. And data analytics is the engine that's really gonna power us and institutions to be able to help learners accomplish their goals. Well, we'll leave it there, Andrew. Uh, thanks so much. I know we, we barely scratched the surface. I say that a lot on this show, but hopefully we can keep in touch and uh, we'll be watching to see how UAGC and, and, and uh, your other partnerships develop. And again, I want to thank you uh, for speaking with me on a very busy day and congratulations. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm uh, a longtime listener. I, I enjoy your podcast. So thank you for uh, including me, inviting me and uh, have a great day. If you're looking to go even more in-depth in IHE's news coverage, check out our special reports. These deep dives feature rich data and reporting, as well as thoughtful, substantive analysis you can trust. Visit insidehighered.com backslash special reports to view the topics we've covered and to purchase the report that best supports your area of work or study. So I'm speaking with Jill Bubin. How are you? Great, Paul. Thanks for inviting me to join you today. Thank you. So. You know, I remember, I believe it may have been during the pandemic, but uh, some, some months ago, I heard a bit about what Fairfield University was trying to do online, its ambitions for the future, and was very intrigued. Would you mind sharing kind of the cliff notes of where you are and where you're headed? 
Yeah, sure. So Fairfield has four strategic priorities right now, one of them being um, the expansion into online, specifically for graduate students and somewhat spin on that professional degrees for graduate students. It's, an, it's interesting because these priorities have been in place coming on um, two years now. Um, and I came into the role in April, right, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So many times it's linked to that we're expanding online due to the pandemic, but we've actually been kind of planning for this, uh, you know, as I said, for almost two years. So um, with that, we're looking at launching seven master's degrees and nine certificates for the spring 2021 term. So, uh, so we, you know, we really went all out for this expansion. It's going in the right direction. It's a combination of degrees. We, we had all the degrees in, in the works. Some had already been launched. So it was kind of giving them that boost or, you know, that injection to bring them to market. Um, but it's a really exciting time to kind of watch where they're where they're going, who they're starting to attract, um, and, and working internally, just building all of the, necess the supports necessary to ensure success. So what was the institution's experience with online programs, uh, confidence in the ability to get to the next level? I mean, where, when you joined, where were they in terms of experience? When I joined, the university had done a lot of research in looking at this expansion. So uh, just a brief background, we have four th roughly 4,000 undergraduate students on campus and about 1,000 graduate students in either hybrid or on-campus programs. So where we're located to expand geographically is a bit challenging. We're about 60 miles out of Manhattan, um, a real, uh, you know, more of a close to metropolitan areas. Um, so if we were to do some geographical expansion, it would probably focus on undergraduates. So it made sense to be planning online for graduate. We also know, right, Paul, nationally, everything's showing that graduate students, even if they live 20 miles from campus, are really thinking about online. Um, so Fairfield had done, I'd say, some the groundwork in thinking about what programs do we have that could move online and what is some planning we'd have to do to get there. When I joined in April. I started looking strategically at the internal groundwork. I say to colleagues all the time, uh, I'm really grateful for all the years I've had and really mentors that I had in online that have been there from the beginning because some of those frameworks internally we're, we're building were really like the 1.0 of online learning, um, which is nothing to be said that there's not the experience there. It just, the groundwork has, was never laid there before. Luckily, we have some you know, great names within our schools at Fairfield, our uh, Egan School of Nursing and also our Dolan School of Business. So we have some of that already internally. We know the programs that are, are really rock solid. They're wonderful to be providing in that, in that environment, but it was really that internal groundwork that needed to be laid soup to nuts. And then also looking externally, how do we start to select partners to work with? How do we think about innovations? And for Fairfield being a Jesuit institution, there's a big push to be able to still provide the, the values and mission 
of our institution and um, you know the Jesuit foundations. So thinking about that. So I'd say the internal infrastructure, external um, partnerships, and that Jesuit mission foundation that we wanted to get across was was what I started building when I came in. So April was an interesting time in higher ed, still is. Um, but uh, you know, I, I gather for anyone who uh, was hoping to go bigger online, it was a benefit to have some plans in place then. Um, but those plans tended to be accelerated. Uh, how how have things changed the last few months for you in terms of how fast you want to ramp up or or how you might choose partners or any of that? Yeah, it's interesting. So for under our undergrads and our graduate definitely pivoted to remote in um, March, April timeframe. And then over the summer worked really partnered with between my office, the Center um, for Academic Excellence, which is our really our teaching and learning center on campus to provide support. So this the Center for Academic Excellence really focused on that, on that undergrad population where I focused on the strategic goals to move forward. In terms of acceleration, you know, we're seeing a couple of different things, you know, where I think there's a few scenarios. Our students coming back for online due to high unemployment rates, we know that typically happens. Are they looking to quickly upskill with a graduate certificate or even a, you know, a professional certificate like a Coursera or edX? Or are they looking for that full degree? The second scenario is kind of business as usual? Are we just going to continue along and see a slight uptick due to some marketing communication and partnerships? And the third is just burnout. Like <laughs> People just burnt out and not going to come back. So I think over higher ed, I'm assuming most institutions are dealing with those three scenarios. I think we're prepared for either. We've We've built in the graduate certificates. We have stackable degrees. We're building in some professional certifications into our master's degrees. So we've, I think the curricular aspects of our programs are really strong to provide any opportunities. But in looking at how we could kind of differentiate ourselves in this strange time and also looking towards the future, um, we're looking at really how we can support our students. So, and that gets back to what is a Jesuit education and how do we focus on the whole person, not just getting them through, you know, in a timely manner, time to, to completion. So we're looking at, you know, we're offering mental telehealth, mental health services through UWill, through a partnership with UWill for all graduate students, and that's free of charge. So that was something that not only because of the pandemic, we were looking at that before, but we knew that students were asking for services like that, and that lets us support them holistically. And in turn, you know, will likely improve their success and, you know, our retention. So looking at supports like that. Also uh, looking at different partnerships, like we have mentioned, um, I think when we talked months ago, one with um, ISTE, which is, you know, a national organization that can provide teachers or participants in some of our ed technology programs the opportunity to have a national certification. We're doing the same with Cisco um, and looking to do so with IBM. So I think it's looking like how this time has changed. I think it's really looking at how we're supporting our students and then how we're differentiating ourselves 
to provide both the support, but also what the workforce will probably be asking of our students upon, you know, graduation. Well, really interesting stuff. You know, the mental health support piece has become yeah. like the story of the last few. I mean, there's so many big stories, but it, every one of these interviews I do, that's an issue. So again, good foresight to be planning that before all this, I would think. You know, when you mentioned some of the partnerships in the works, it, it sounds like some national scale here. I just wonder kind of what kind of your concentric rings of of students might be and, and who, how it's looking to shift in the next year or so, like where, where you might be where you haven't been before. Sure, that's a great question. So we're starting to explore some partnerships, you know, with the educational benefit side, the workforce educational benefit side. So um, I don't think it's a secret, but we're partnering with Guild um, and that's in the works right now. So really excited to see where that goes. We think that their, their mission really aligns with Fairfield as well in terms of, you know, trying to provide benefits and, and getting our workforce educated. Um, so that's one we'll be looking to, to follow and expand. Uh, we've also had some conversations with EdAssist, which is a similar uh, company, but they, you know, the benefit does go directly to the student, which is a nice initiative too. So I think these companies are all doing things a little bit differently, but for a small institution like Fairfield, we're able to partner with these companies that, you know, stay true to our values, but also allow us to partner directly with companies. We don't really have a, the huge bandwidth to like <laughs> beat the streets in terms of big partnerships. So to have that kind of that intermediary is really helpful to us. So I think exploring and researching and figure out which one of those and more are better for us. We're also, um, I guess actually since I've joined, I've been really interested in the, the MOOC space you know, edX, obviously, Coursera, a lot of my colleagues in the space have been, you know, at institutions that are original partnerships with Coursera. And I think not only the benefit to students, but institutions to partner with them makes sense. And when I say that, it's, it's part of that innovation at an institution too, to see how you can to learn how you can kind of create micro credentials and to expose your, not only your faculty, but all people on campus that can be creating these kind of micro credentials, whatever they are, whether it's a full certificate, whether it's externally facing on a platform or internal, I think that's really important to just keep our minds new about where we're going and what we can provide our students. And through that, we're trying to link some of our partnerships that I talked about earlier, whether you know it's Cisco or IBM and seeing where we can go with them on some of these platforms or our other partners exposing um, some other financial partners to those platforms. Um, so that's exciting to me and thinking about, I think sometimes when we think about Coursera, it's simply in the, the MOOC world, but I think there's also opportunities. Uh, how can we provide free professional upskilling to our greater community, to high school students. Um, so there's just so many options there. So for us, it's a great way to think innovatively all the way around um, with a, a large partner. But again, internally, we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we pri even prioritize the opportunities within a partnership such as, you know, one of those large providers. Um, so I think you'll see that coming. 
we're also looking, and I think this is true for a lot of smaller institutions. We're looking, you know, we know we want to provide those student services. I mentioned mental health. We know career services, writing services. These are things that are typically forgot about at the graduate level, but all the research tells us going back, I mean, 14, 15 years, Paul, <laughs> that that's what students are asking for. So we're looking now, how can we, you know, is, does it make sense to be able to provide those resources through partnerships or grow capacity internally? And I think, again, that's how we can differentiate ourselves yet stay true to our values and our mission by really recognizing those are supports students need and deserve at that level. It's not just an extra expense, but it's how we need to serve that population to ensure their success you know, academically in life and professionally. You know, uh, given your national perspective from your OLC days, you know, I wonder just your thoughts of how many institutions can really successfully do what Fairfield is trying to do. We all know that the big institutions online have, have grown a lot recently and breaking in is hard to do when you're competing with institutions that are so established. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true, Paul. Yeah, the, I mean, the market share for those top five institutions is huge. I don't have the statistic off the top of my head, but yeah, we know that. And I, but what I do think, and a lot of this is from my experience at, um, at OLC, I think, you know, we know we have to differentiate within the market, but we also know that there's a strong regional market for Fairfield degrees and for Fairfield to grow online, even if it's, you know, Maine through Delaware. Um, we expect to see those that geographical expansion grow further through pockets of where our alumni are and where we start to form partnerships. So I think it's some of that um, brand identity, which we're working on now at the graduate level, and then that will allow us to slowly expand. Our goal was never to be um, one of those top five schools, but to provide the type of education that um, you know our huge alumni network and undergraduate network has come to really value and to bring that to the next level and expose you know another group of students to to the high level education that they can now get online. Well, Joe, we'll leave it there. Thanks for talking this through with me. Uh, you know, among other things, I'd be we'll be really curious to see you know the micro credentials and the partnership with Guild and Edisyst and where that heads for an institution like Fairfield. So, I uh, really appreciate you sharing the plans with us. Yeah, thanks, Paul. It was great to talk with you. Cheers. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Timely MD, a telehealth provider whose mission is to improve the well-being of college students by making virtual medical and mental health care accessible anytime, anywhere. With immediate medical care, scheduled and on-demand counseling, psychiatry and health coaching services, Timely MD partners with institutions to empower students to thrive in all aspects of their lives. Learn more at timely.md. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks for joining. I'll be back next week talking to leaders from Broward College and Purdue Global with a specific look on how their credentials tie into the job market. Hope you'll join us.